Hello. <laughs> this is a miracle. This afternoon, I was uh, pulled out my computer to write out some thoughts, and uh, you know, push power, and then it showed the uh, folder with the question mark, and like, we can't find the hard drive, and I'm just like, really? So. I thought it was gone forever, but apparently I can at least turn it on, so let's pray. But I think I'm going to shoot more from the hip than go off of, off of notes. But it is comforting, right, when a, a device comes back and you haven't lost everything, right? So thankful. It's unfortunate that so much of our life stuff is, like, wrapped up in a piece of metal like this. Which is a, should be a check for all of us, right? Let me find it here. I still can't find it. Lord, have mercy. Or right, we'll just go without it. Well, I want to thank you. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> so good. Y'all are blessed. Y'all got a good guy right there. Um, but yeah, just want to thank you guys for your kind hospitality and just your, your generosity. You're like, come on. <laughs> Thanking you. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> you writing down what I'm saying? I want to thank Dominique. He is the best pastor I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Um, no, I just felt, uh, Sahar and I both, just even, we hadn't met you. And uh, when the invitation came, Sahar and I kept remarking to ourselves, we just were like, we feel so honored. Like, you know, we get invitations different places a lot of times. And I just, I felt so honored from the get-go. And just so, um, yeah, just, I, I don't know how to express it. It's something you feel more than anything. And it just came through emails, you know. But it, we, we, there was also a witness of the Spirit that we should come and that the Lord wanted to do something here special. So we come as we are and asking the Lord to work through us and use us however he wants because it's really just about what he wants to do with you guys, you know. As much as we... Uh, hello. Ooh, 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 the sound. I'm thinking a, I'm a cut and I'm trying to think the... Maybe around 500. Okay, I'll tell him when he comes back. Um, but I just wanted to thank you guys for uh, receiving us and just for the grace extended. And so, you know, it says when you receive a prophet in a prophet's name, you receive the prophet's reward. Now, what I'm not saying is that I'm a prophet. <laughs> but what does that mean? When you receive a prophet in a prophet's name, you receive the prophet's reward. I always wondered about that. But it has to do with when you receive a person as who they are, in their gift, in their calling. And you don't put them in a box. You don't put prejudge them. You receive them in the gift of God that they carry. You receive the blessing and the benefit of that gift. Isn't that awesome? Because I think a lot of times we, we don't realize, but we make instant quick judgments all the time about ourselves, about other people, and we rate people, and we kind of put them in a box. Oh, they're, le they're like that. Oh, they're from that movement. Oh, they're, they're, they said that, all that stuff. And endless judgments. But when we show up and we're present, and we approach things as little children, we receive the blessing uh, that that person brings into our life. And it could be someone speaking from the front, or it could just be from a friend. <clears throat> you know that in friendship. There's uh, friends, I'm sure, that you have that you feel safe with. You feel it draws the best out of you, right? You're hanging with them, and you're like, I can just be me. I, they, it feels like they pull the best out of you. And other people, other friends, you have to walk on eggshells, be really careful. You don't want to offend them, all that kind of stuff. And there's, that's what happens when we as the body receive one another in love. It creates that safe space that each of us can walk in the God-given identity and calling that we have. And you get blessed. So you receive the blessing and the reward of that. So there you go. That's a little pre-teaching teaching. That one was for free. No. <laughs> okay. um, 
I want to honor my beautiful wife. I, I talked about her at the beginning really quickly, but she's here in the front row in the green shirt. Just wave really quickly, babe. <clears throat> I won't get into the whole story, but how we met is a pretty fun story. Um, we, we didn't meet in America. I'll just leave it that way. So we met in the Middle East, and my wife is Persian, and she... Um, hails from the, from the nation of Iran. And as, as you can imagine, trying to make that work with immigration from Iran and America coming together isn't the easiest thing. So we actually had kind of a funny start to our relationship. It's funny, but it was uh, <clears throat> interesting trying to make it work because we met uh, 2016, then did long distance for like a year and a half and <clears throat> just a walk of faith, you know, like how are we going to do this? How are we going to start our life together? And then step by step, the Lord, we sought him. We put it before him, say, Lord, if this is you, like we, we really like, and then eventually love each other. But like, how do we, you know, take the next step and get married? So the Lord opened up Armenia to us, which is a neighboring country. And they are very open to Iranians and Americans. So it's actually a perfect middle spot. So did y'all just lose me a little bit? Yep. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Getting farther and farther. Check. It's the Lord saying, how, this is like our phone calls, like when we were long distance. like, babe, are you there? Hello? It's like, I can't hear you. Speak it. Check, check. Did the battery go out? Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Trust. See, there you go. Trust. And here's what I said to him. He's done such an amazing job at sound. Thank you, Brian. Woo. And it's just the way it is, but sound guys only get the attention when things go bad. You know, everyone like turns around, they're like, what's your problem? And he's like, I'm trying, I don't know what's going on. You know, so I have so much compassion because I've done sound quite a bit too. So anyways, thank you. Um, so yeah, we met, we moved to Armenia, get engaged, get married. Most of the people don't speak English. We're trying to communicate, too, because my wife had studied English, but she didn't really speak it there in Iran. And so we're kind of like, you know, she's fluent in a few languages, but she's learning English through our relationship. And so <laughs> it was a, an adventure. And uh, so then we waited on the Lord. He, it was beautiful two years in Armenia, moved to the States. Right three weeks before COVID hit. Isn't that crazy? It was a blessing that we made it to. Our visa got approved. And if it didn't, then we would have been stuck there and our visa would have expired. And then who knows what happened. So it was the favor of God. So we land in L.A. and I'm thinking, you know, because I've, I've, I've spent the previous 10 years in Southern California there in L.A. And, um, and uh, I just was, I was going to show her all the places and take her to all these, you know, dinners and all this stuff. And we get there. We do like two dinners and I take her to the beach once. And then boom, like the whole world shuts down. And L.A. was the most dystopian, weird place to be locked down right in the center of L.A. Like the, the highways are just a deserted wasteland. You're just like, your people see you coming on the street. They go all the way to the other side of the street with double, triple masks or like looking at you like, are you the contagious one? You know, it was just so weird. So we survived that. And then... <laughs> we, Luckily, <laughs> and our marriage survived it too. We were in like a one-room uh, garage that was like turned into a one-room everything. We didn't even have a little kitchen in there. So we were like, <laughs> it was a, a beautiful test. And we got so strong in that too. <laughs> didn't we? No. <laughs> we, never, we never fought. We never had issues. <laughs> It's perfect, smooth sailing. <laughs> but yeah, it was really fun. And so then that led us. We went sp spent some time with my folks. Why am I telling you my life story? This is the weirdest thing. <laughs> like from here, let me tell you about <laughs> my journey to this moment. So I was born. <laughs> this is not in my notes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Y'all are like really 
taking to heart what I said. You're like really receiving me. It's like a therapist, tell me more, tell me more. And I'm like, and I was stuck in COVID. <laughs> so yeah, so where was I? Where, where were we? Yes, what's with my parents. Thank you in the story. Kansas City, my, my folks live in Kansas City. So the piece of Kansas City, I kind of grew up there a little bit. There was some years, uh, I was like eight years old. My dad moved there to lead worship with Mike Bickle before it was the house of prayer. And so it was five years there. And uh, I didn't see him that much because he was doing so much ministry and so involved and really intense. And uh, it was a beautiful season. I, I remember sitting on the back bleachers, hearing my, like his voice, he becomes kind of like, you know, you have a person that kind of puts you to sleep. He doesn't put me to sleep, but it's like in my DNA, my bones, like the, the message that God put in my heart from that season. I respect Mike so much and been really blessed. So then we moved away and I went to Kansas City back in uh, 2004 for about two, three years, or about four, three to four years and um, served there. But those years were pivotal for my life and formation, just uh, becoming someone who when I walked in the doors I remember walking in IHOP and the I sat down and I, I it was just this feeling like I just a big sigh of relief because all of my life I had been through at conferences and churches now my dad's a pastor he's a worship leader he's amazing I look up to him so much but we would always be in these contexts where it was like prepping to lead for the service and it was you know, we'd be the first there to set up everything, last there to tear it down. And it was just, that was my life. We were homeschooled. I'm the oldest of five kids. So when I walked into the house of prayer, I, I had always felt the church for a worship leader and musicians. It was so bottlenecked on our set on Sunday morning. And you have all this beautiful gifting and talent in the body of Christ. And then there's just this like tiny little expression. And I just went like, and, and it was so focused on the leading part. It was like horizontal, a lot of it. And I had always really connected vertically with the Lord. Like when I had just, I love to just sing to him. And um, I found my way through music, eventually didn't like the piano and then liked it and then started writing songs later. And that was a, a fun journey, but it was something where I really connected with him through that. And it wasn't so much, I love to get in front of people and like, wow the crowd or like be the the leader type personality which is not bad at all i'm not saying there's a gift of charisma that god gives different ones of us and that's a gift from him it's something he doesn't take back you see it in the world god gave it to him you know you see it in the church too but there's something a lot of times that is so compelling and it grabs your attention so much that you forget the whole reason we do this is first literally just to minister to his heart that's what being a priest is the priestly ministry was not to man, it was to God. But then when God says he's made us a kingdom of kings and priests, that means we have both roles, right? So we minister to him, and then from that place, we have his authority and his power to speak, and then his kingdom comes, his will is done. And that is the beauty that God gave us through Jesus, the incarnation, because before they were separate. You couldn't have a king who was a priest, and David's tabernacle was like on the cutting edge. It was like the first of the first. David did something that was unheard of. It wasn't in the law. And so David then establishes a tabernacle that people are ministering to him day and night. And he pays all their funds. And he's like, all right, just write songs and sing to Jesus. I'm going to let you do that. And then when I walked in the house of prayer, I was like, there's a place that does this? You know, and... And I, I just, there was a big sigh of relief, like, oh, Lord, it was this safety, like, I can minister to you, and it's okay. I don't have to pump up the crowd. I don't have to lead. I can just, like, sit here and sing, and people can sit there and cry and pray and pace, and I'm just like, this is beautiful. Why? Because it's not an Old Testament model. What it is, it's a New Testament expression of the worth of Jesus, how worthy he is. And we're not trying to recreate something that was in the Old Testament. A lot of us look at it that way. They're like, <clears throat> why are you going back and doing something Old Testament? Honestly, this is not to be, this isn't to be replicated like there's one place of worship and, 
You, we all go there to worship. Remember what Jesus says when the woman in the well comes to him and she's like, I want to worship, or you, you Jews say we worship here. But then what does Jesus say? He goes, a time is coming and is now yet come that those who worship the Father will worship him in spirit and in truth. Because that's what the Father is seeking. And the Lord looks at the heart of us all. And so I learned a lot through that season about ministering to him in the heart. And honestly, over the last maybe five, ten years, I've had to really grow and learn because I got stuck in just this vertical thing. And I felt so nervous. I felt so incapable of like leading people. And now, like I've had to grow in that. I felt it's like a muscle, you know, when it atrophies, you can't use it. Like you break your arm, you don't really use it. It was something I had to rework and go, all right, there's both, it's both and. So we, we love the Lord, we sing, but we also lead. And as, you know, bring that to our families. If I am spending time alone with the Lord in my room, and then I'm doing my work, and I don't really spend quality time with my wife and attend to her needs and tell her how much I love her, and we don't pray together, and we're not connected, like, that's completely unbalanced in a home. But if we're hanging out all the time and we just, we're doing our life and all that stuff and I leave the Lord behind, our relationship is going to be strained and difficult to manage and it's going to break down because the Lord is not the center of it. You see what I'm saying? So it is a tension that the Lord calls us to live in. You can't escape it. It's like I have to love the Lord first with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and then love my closest neighbor, my wife as myself and all the those around it, my kids, friends, all that stuff. It just outflows, but they're too connected. Remember the Lord said there's the first commandment and the second is like it. It's connected to it. It's, it's intertwined, interwoven. That's not even a word. <laughs> Interwoven, there you go, intertwined, intertwined, there you go. New word, interwoven. <clears throat> you can write that down. I'm going to add that to my Apple dictionary. <laughs> and it, they're, they're connected. And that's what the, the, the that, that's a remarkable thing. And I want to speak to, to you, uh, Dominique, and just to this church. That's one of the things that I felt coming in here was this beautiful balance and sweetness of the focus on the word and the focus on the presence of the Lord, his spirit. And there was such a beautiful balance. I love when you come up and you read the scripture after the fact and you, um, and you just, you go and you read and you, like there's this beautiful, sweet balance here. And when I say balance, it's not in, an, in a sense of we gotta be balanced Christians, not get too extreme here, there, you know what I'm saying? It's both those things are so connected and you can't have one without the other. They'll dry up. I know y'all are getting what I'm saying, but I wanted just to encourage you that the, the scripture memorization that you do, the classes that you take, the, the time you spend just sitting there reading the Bible, it will come to bear when you're up here when you're out on the street, when you're with your friends, when you're speaking at a huge conference, when you're discipling your kids, when you're loving on them, the scripture will come out of you. It will divide your own heart's intentions. It will bring life and all that stuff. And when the word is in you, as much you can, fill, you can memorize the whole scripture. That's what the Pharisees did. They had memorized the Torah. They were the most studied of all the law. And yet they missed the word when he stood right in front of them. And he said, I'm here. And they were looking past him, looking they're like, no, we know you. You grew up with us. We saw you playing sports. Like you were the son of that lady who slept around. Like you, you're illegitimate. Like those were the accusations against him. They had already prejudged him. Do you see that? They could not receive the prophet in, a, in his name. They could not receive him. And so they did not receive his reward. They were offended. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. He was supposed to be the cornerstone, the rock on which it was all built. But they stumbled over it. 
And we don't want to be people of offense in these days because I'm telling you, there is going to be a lot, and behold, it's already still here, that's going to offend us. Inside and outside the church, there will be people who you thought you knew. There will be friends who you thought you were super close. And in a moment, everything's different. Why? Because what has been going on in the heart is going to be revealed by life circumstances. Pressure is going to come. The moment you realize, oh, wow, like things are different. And the Lord is going to reveal in the heart. What does he say in the last days? In those days, what is hidden and spoken in secret is going to be shouted from the rooftops. So what do we want hidden in the secret of our heart? We want his word. So when he says to you, it's your time, go stand on the roof. It's your time. Put your light where everyone can see. Don't hide it. Go stand out there. What's going to come out of your mouth? Your own offenses, your hurt, or the word of the Lord? Burning with love and truth and the goodness of God and a, coming from a broken heart that's been worked by humility by the Lord and all that good stuff that the Lord does with us in life. And it has a fragrance with it and it, it touches people's hearts and it's not showy, but it grabs their attention. Why? Not because of you. You're just a son. You're just a daughter doing the will of the Lord. But you stand there and you and the Lord's like, who am I going to send? Who am I going to pick to speak this word with authority? And just like Isaiah, we're going to stand there and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Send me. And what does the angel do? Takes a coal from the altar. And he puts it and touches his lips. The Lord is going to anoint the mouth of this generation to speak the word of the Lord. They're going to have the fire of the Holy Spirit. And we already are in a place to father and parent and not judge and support a generation that's growing up with completely different challenges than I had growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like I look around and I'm like, good Lord. And look, we haven't had kids. I'm like, what kind of world is going to be in 2020, 2035 when let's say our kid is like 14 or something, 2035. I'm like, is there going to be a world in 2035? You know, what is happening in these days? The, God gives a, co a corresponding grace to the cor corresponding challenges of the day. And we can't look at our own and it's, it's not about our own insufficiencies, inadequacies. It has nothing to do with the things that we, we bring to the table. We just show up. The Lord touches our hearts. We show up again. The Lord touches our hearts. We, we, go, our, we go our way. We realize, oh Lord, I forsake him first love for you. The Holy Spirit draws you. He pulls you back. You say yes to the secret place again. He lights your heart on fire. And the beautiful thing is he doesn't blow it out. What does it say? When your heart gets like a flickering wick, you know, like a candle. It's about to go out right at the bottom of the candle. He says he doesn't just go. Tss. He doesn't do that with our hearts. He doesn't write you off. He breathes it back into flame. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. One of the things that you read the passage, that's why I'm speaking about something else because you already preached it by reading it. Um, Matthew 5, where Jesus talks about the Sermon on the Mount, and that's not, um, I'm going to go there really quick. Matthew 5. The text that goes with the whole thing I just said about 
us turning to and pastoring the next generation and loving on them is connected to the, the last promise in the Old Testament when through the prophet Malachi, the Lord says, behold, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Y'all know the verse, right? Or else I will strike the land with a curse. <clears throat> so wherever you see a curse on the land, the hearts of the fathers have not been turned to the children. And the hearts of the children haven't been turned to the fathers. And this that starts with us as fathers and mothers, because what's the order? Fathers to children, and then the children's hearts to the fathers. So we look, it's going to be important for us to have the right heart with the next generation. Like we can't, can't disciple, pastor, love in our own understanding because there are things changing in the world so quickly that we will not be able to navigate in our own understanding. We will not be able to lean on our own understanding, but we have to hold true to the things that are, to Jesus himself, to the simple gospel, to the word, to prayer, to loving your neighbor, to the things that matter. And those things will speak to any generation at any time, no matter what, if they're spoken in love and not judgment. So that is the way. That's the way forward. And you guys are already fathers and mothers. Don't, don't look at yourself, you know, I'm like 18, 19. Kids already look up to you. Like I remember when I was 12, like someone who was 17 was ancient. I was like, they just like... You know, they're about to graduate. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so far ahead in life. You know what it was like, right? You're like, like a three-year gap feels like, whew, right? So think about that. You're already a father. You're already a mother to some 12-year-old, 13-year-old. And they're looking at your life. And they're going to look at your life. They're going to look at you, observe. You don't even know they're looking. But they care about, they care about, they're taking their cues from you. And less about what you say, less about when you sit down and you go, all right, guys, here, let me teach you some stuff I've learned. No, they're looking at your life. They're looking at the, 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 the cues that they take. So your life is going to say a lot. And that's what, again, I love, it feels so solid here. There's just a real stability in the word. And so I just want to affirm that with you guys, to not lose your zeal, but also just to keep Hiding the word in your heart. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. So Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The phrase I was sitting today um, next to Sahara, we were just looking out over the, the lake or one of the bays, and I was asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say tonight? And uh, I just felt just really simply the message of the kingdom. We hear it a lot. A lot of people preach it. A lot of people talk about it. And it was John the Baptist's first message. So I feel like we should pay attention to it. And it was Jesus' first message. So I really feel like we should pay attention to it. When John came out of the wilderness, he started preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. When Jesus came out of the desert with the power of the Holy Spirit, his message was the same. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Out of the mouth of two witnesses, a thing is confirmed. And the Lord wanted us to know the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not an ethereal concept. 
It's not something relegated to angels and flowers and harps. This is the reality of the kingship of the king of kings bearing down upon the earth the king who's going to rule over Russia, over Israel, over South Africa, over Australia, over Canada, over, I hope, California. <laughs> and the kingdom is at hand. Jesus' first sermon, what does he talk about? Blessed are the poor in spirit. He sandwiches the whole beautiful section of the Beatitudes with who gets the kingdom. So this kingdom, it's important for us to know what it is this thing is. And not just what the latest pastor says, the latest speaker says. I'm sure there's revelation that they have from the Lord. But you got to know. You got to know. Because Jesus said, repent, change your mind. Why do I have to change my mind? What do you mean the kingdom is at hand? The kingdom's here. Why do I need to change my mind? What? Repent, change your mind. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who gets it? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Later, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, those, I know those verses don't often get quoted and painted onto a piece of wood and sold at Hobby Lobby that much. <laughs> They just don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's usually like, you know, well, live, la live, laugh, and love, but that's not even in the Bible. But <laughs> those are not the most popular things, but Jesus is saying, hey, this is who gets the kingdom. The poor in spirit, those who are persecuted because of righteousness. My wife and I were at a, um, we took a little bit of time, about a week, and just, uh, it was great. It was our kind of fifth, uh, our fifth year anniversary vacation, and uh, we're just sitting, I was looking at the ocean, uh, and the Lord just dropped this verse in my heart, and I was I can't remember if I started singing it and you had been meditating on it at the same time or that morning, but or vice versa, but it was that song I started singing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his... Such a beautiful song. I was, it was on the list to maybe do tonight, but we, didn't, we never did it. But um, I'm sitting there and I'm like, it's just hitting me. I'm like, because we, we were there relaxing but kind of not we were just in, in a stressful time and just like lord what do we do where do we you know what's the next step who's i know people have been there but who's there right now lord what's the next step for my life who who needs to hear who's like literally there right now in your heart what's the next step okay so about half of us like you gotta know like there's just this ache in your heart you're just god I, like i don't i need to know i'm in your will like i want to know i'm doing the right thing who resonates with that, right? You just, I think we all do have some at some point, but there's some of us here. And I was there. We both were. And um, that song came to mind. And that verse came to mind. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. And this peace came, but also a question. I'm like, what is the kingdom you know, like when the Lord says, seek first his kingdom, we got to know what the kingdom is. Because like, what, what are we going to seek? Right? I mean, it's not, it's just kind of pretty plain and simple. 
So I started going, and Matthew is the main book of the four Gospels that really focuses on the kingdom. He, for some reason, he saw and heard the Lord, that he heard the message of the kingdom. And so you look at the references of the kingdom, most of them are in Matthew. He talks about, there's so many parables in Matthew. The kingdom of God is like. He's listening to Jesus. And what does he hear? He hears these parables about the kingdom. He's writing them down by memory. The kingdom is like a sower who sowed seeds. A kingdom, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who went out to sow his field. A kingdom, the kingdom of God is like fill in the blank. And when we seek his kingdom first, like some of the things that we were asking the Lord about had nothing to do with spiritual stuff. Like it was just practical life stuff. And the Lord cares about that too. And he, and he expresses it in that passage. Seek first your, the kingdom and these things will be added to you. There's an order. And I really believe the order has gotten off in the church. We've gotten off kilter. Things have taken, like my dad used to tell me, the tail is wagging the dog. Who's ever heard that phrase before, right? Just like a, we're like, yeah, that was, that's a dadism for sure, right? <laughs> right? Okay, right. So what, the, what that means, put the cart before the horse, like those old sayings, what does it mean, Right? It's out of order. Something's upside down. Something's backwards. And if, my, if, if the larger portion of my energy, my life, my attention, my finances, all that is going towards the preservation of the things that I, I need, I want in life, the, the basic needs. What preceded that passage? It was the Lord talking about the birds of the air who don't sow. And he's like, don't worry about what you, need, what you eat and what you wear. I'm like, that's such a huge part of life. Like, how can you not worry about that? You know? And does, isn't that the cause of so many fights in marriage? Where are you going to eat, babe? Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I don't know. Where do you want to eat? I'm being facetious. But like, when, you, when it really comes down to it, those things take up a lot of mental energy and the stuff to be able to eat and wear the stuff that it takes, the work that it takes to be able to have the money in your bank so that you can pay for what you eat and what you wear. That's what I'm talking about, that he's going to the root and he goes, hold on. If things are in order, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you as well. This is the very intimate, practical, pastoral heart of the Lord about his kingdom that we hear the message of the kingdom, Jesus coming back with fire in his eyes and with the trumpet blast and everything's going to change and he's going to be the king overall and that's the kingdom. And it's like, oh my gosh, yes, Lord, we say yes to that. And then our daily life, I'm like, how the heck does my daily life even match up with that? Like, like, that's the kingdom. That's my idea of the kingdom. But, like, what does it mean on a daily basis? How do I seek the kingdom? And the Lord breaks it down over and over again. He's like, it's like a, a sower who sows seed and he throws out the word. And some of, the, some of it, it lands on soil like a road. You know, it's really hard. It's been trodden down. A lot of traffic. And then the birds swoop down, steal it. And he's like, that stuff never gets planted. The bird just eats it and probably poops it out somewhere else. Excuse me for even going there. I don't know why they could do that. It's not disrespectful. The Lord knows my heart, isn't it? But it's true. That's how seeds get planted in other places. Seriously, seeds don't digest. Random fact. <laughs> so funny. It's true. That's why, that's why, children, we don't eat seed oils. We need to let go of seed oils because they're bad for us. 
Is that your health advice for the night? <laughs> all, the, all the health experts are there. Yes, that's right. So this, the, the sower's generous. He's like, throw that seed. Some falls on the side. And it's kind of rocky. There's some soil, but there's, there's rocks. And in our life, I feel like there's, our, our hearts can be like that. And the Lord's comparing our heart to each of those things. Sometimes there's just a hard heart. You, you know, you, you can say all the Bible you want, and the heart just is like, nope. Or maybe they're even like, sure, yeah, on the outside, but inside they're like, no, I made up my mind. That's the hard heart. The word comes, and the enemy just goes, whoosh. Then sometimes they receive it with joy and they're like, that's awesome. Yeah. Like there's energy in the room. Like, oh my gosh, they hear something encouraging. Yeah, I got my, you know, my motivation for tomorrow, that kind of thing. But then it says, because the stone is, the ground is stony, the roots try to go down and they can't really find anything. And so it takes a day or two and just withers and dies. And so then there's no fruit. Another one, it goes around the thorns. The seed goes out. It's growing up. It's doing good. Things are fine. But then, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. The power three. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desire for other things come in and they choke out the word and it just can't bear fruit the word's growing up things seem to be going good a year passes a couple years passes and you're like wait a minute what happened god spoke something to me through that preacher a long time ago like and they they called me out in that meeting crap i forgot what they said what was it you know what i mean have you ever had that happen right like, oh, let me go find my voice memos. Like, oh, that one's deleted. Darn it. I forgot to record it. Whatever. We don't steward, we, we haven't stewarded that word. The desires of these things, the desires of life, it chokes it out. We've forgotten about it. The Lord might have said something true to you about your gifting and calling, and maybe you're walking in it in part. Maybe you are writing stories and the word was about writing stories maybe you are running a business and that word had to do with like writing a you know running a business but there's not going to be fruit there's not the fruit of the kingdom the fruit of the spirit then the seed some seed a portion of it which is crazy to me i'm like god you see <laughs> i mean the sower if you are the sower, if this is what the kingdom is like, you've got to know which hearts are good and which hearts are going to resist you. Why do you waste the good seed of your kingdom on hearts that are not going to receive? Like that's not a good, that's not a good business practice, right? You want to advertise to people who care about what your business is. If you're an advertiser or whatever, like you don't want to like set up a coffee shop in the middle of the Antarctica, like you want to do it in the middle of like a thriving metropolis. So people are going to come to it. You see what I'm saying? Like, what is it about the generosity of God that gives everyone a chance? He throws out his seed over all of our hearts. Creation testifies, that's one. Then everyone gets a chance to hear, I believe. Gets a chance to receive. But not every heart is going to. And then... The ones that do, there's 30, 60, and 100 fold. I've wondered that about the Lord, my, my life. There's been seasons where I'm like, Lord, I felt like I was just really going for it. I really running. And then season where I got, feel like I got knocked off and, you know, you lose ground. Or you, you, you're just like, where, where am I? What's going on in life? The Lord wants to know he honors the 30, the 60, and 100. We can look at one another too and go, dang, their life is super fruitful. Gosh, look at their ministry. Gosh, look at their business. Gosh, look at their life, like their relationship. They always seem to be happy. They're always posting on Instagram about all the good things going on. Like everything seems to be going great. Like 
with, with, with these people. And we compare ourselves. And the Lord's like, no, don't do that. There's 30, 60 fold and 100 fold fruitfulness. And God, to each God has apportioned his gifts. What does he say? To one he gives one talent, to one he gives two, to one he gives three. Or one, two, and five. I can't remember. I think that's what it is, right? One, two, and five. I don't know what happened to three and four, but look, one, two, and five, right? But, and then, and then God says, the one, the one you know, he goes, he, to him who has, more will be given. To him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. I'm like, that is so unfair. <laughs> like if you got two kids sitting there, right? You got like candy in your hand. And one of the kid has candy in his hand. And this is my rationale. I'm like, one kid has candy, the other has none. And I've got a huge bucket of candy. And I'm like, oh, this kid has candy. Here, let me give him more. And this kid doesn't have, so even what he has, here, let me grab into your pockets and take what you do have. Like, that's the language of it. If you don't understand that word has, to him who has, that means that him who invests what he has, to him who treasures what he has, to him who uses what he has, more will be given. But the one who's static, the one who doesn't care, the one who buries it, even that will rot. Even that will be taken away. Does that make sense? So the Lord's not up there here going, hmm, let's see how I can be mean. The Lord is, he, he, he speaks his word and he looks for our response. And what does that have to do with the, the second coming of the Lord? Well, he's testing us right now. This is the testing ground. The one who's faithful and little will be given more. There was the parable of the talents. Remember, he, he's faithful with the one talent, and he's like, congratulations. Well done. You get 10 cities for the 10 talents that you invested, or the five that you invested. Like, that's the exchange rate. Talents, which was... About in those days, 75 pounds of something. So if it was like gold or silver or whatever, and say it was silver or gold, it's going to be worth something. But he's like, if you invest the little bit that you have that I give you now, you're going to get 10 cities. What, is, what it has to do with cities? Why cities? Well, this is the key. This has to do with his second coming. When the Lord comes back, he's going to be working with the people that were faithful on this side and who treasured his word. It said, blessed and holy are those who are worthy to take part in the first resurrection. There's a first resurrection coming. When that trumpet blows, those who have said yes, who are faithful on this side, will be resurrected to life. And it says they will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. And under Jesus' leadership, he's going to make the whole world new. Nothing's going away. Heaven's not, earth's not going up there. Heaven is coming down. He's bringing the kingdom of God to earth. But it's bit by bit, little by little. He's not some, he's not going to flip a switch, put a SD card in everyone's brain. Everything's going to be different. This is, has to do with Little by little, faithful, little by little. And through that process, the whole world is going to be transformed. But it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. That's, that's a verse that's been special to me and my wife suddenly as we wait on things the Lord has promised us. There's a beautiful verse I love. It says, in its time, I will do it suddenly. In its time, I will do it suddenly. There is an appointed day for fill in the blank. There is an appointed day for what the Lord's spoken to you. There is an appointed day for his return. There is an appointed day for all those things that he's promised you. His word's good. 
We put a timetable on it. We say, Lord, I want it now. I want it in this amount of time. Lord, I want to be able to enjoy it when it comes. I want to be able to, I want to be young enough to be able to walk in the promise and blah, blah, blah. The Lord has an appointed time. And it's his timetable. But when it happens, it will happen suddenly. And there's going to be a moment where the trumpet sounds. Everything's going to be changed. And those who have said yes, little by little, faithful and little, who've walked in love with him, God flips it all over. He flips it all upside down. And he's like, you. <laughs> I can't imagine that feeling. Jesus the king coming in all of his glory with the angels. And he's looking for you in the crowd and calls you by name. I'm going to use Cassie as an example. Cassie, well done, my good and faithful servant. He sees you in the crowd from far away. And you're hiding back there. And he walks out there. The people part. And he comes and blesses you in the front of many. And he says, you get to share. Come, enter the joy of your Lord. That day is going to happen for those who say yes to him now. And it is going to be the most electric holy day because he is going to be the one that everyone's going to want to be around he is going to be seen as the beautiful man that he is that everyone wants to be close to but who is he close to the humble in heart who is he close to who does he lift up the broken who is he close to the orphan and the widow he flips it all upside down he is no respecter of persons and he does not discriminate you might feel left out, but he sees you where you are. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And he will reward each according to what they've done. And if you seek his, first, his kingdom first and his righteousness, all. And when he says all, he means all. And all is a big word. All of these things are going to be given to you as well. I want to pray. Anyone hungry for that? I, as, as I'm talking, this word is going out of my mouth and it's about making me want to cry. And I'm, my heart's going, yes, Lord, let that be me. I want to have that. Who wants that? Who wants to be faithful? It's not glamorous. It's not fun on the outside. But man, the exchange rate on faithfulness now is so infinitely great. Thank you, bro. So infinitely great. It's going to be worth it. Is that Rita Springer's song? It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it all. I believe it. And around every corner, around every mountain, I'm not looking for crowns or the water from fountains. I'm desperately seeking. I'm frantically believing that the sight of your face is all that I'll need. Sheesh, I haven't led a ministry time in who knows how long. I'm usually up there. <laughs> now I get to pray and watch everyone fall out. So when you come up, I don't want anybody standing up and just locking their legs. I want you going down. You understand? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> just kidding. My wife actually has a funny story when she first met the Lord. She said that they were asking for prayer and they were like, who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And um, I mean, her tes testimony is incredible. Uh, one of these times you all get to hear it. I'll just share this little nugget. So they say, who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And she's, you know, people are falling down left and right. She's like, I want the Holy Spirit so bad, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock my legs. I'm not faking it. I'm going up there. She stands up there. She locks her legs, you know. And then they just touch her in a moment. She falls down. The Lord fills her with the Holy Spirit.
part of me wonders, like, if we should all come up, if we also stay here. I don't know. I don't know. I guess, yeah, if it, it doesn't make you any more spiritual or hungry, but if you do want to come up and you want to lay down before the Lord or just say yes up here, that's great. Come on up. But if you want to stay in your chair, do so as well. Um, and I'm just going to pray. Just uh, ask the Lord for this, the things that I have spoken that have been from Him, because that's what I'm hoping that seeds are planted in your heart tonight. And it's because it's really not about um, anything else. It's really not about anything else. And if you, if you want a faithful heart, if you just like Lord, I feel like I've left my first love. You know, like I'm not where. I want to be, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I just, I want more of you, but I, who, who's ever felt this before? You, you want to want him like you, right? You're like, I don't even know if I really deep down want you right now, but Lord, I want to want you. I want to desire you. I want to want the have your value system in my life like the things that you care about that's what i want because it's really just about value system it's a shift and the lord said he hides these things from the wise and the learned it has nothing to do with how smart you are he reveals them to little children he reveals them to those with the heart of a child and those are the ones that get it those are the ones that get the good stuff he's like say it's far away it's in the it's up in the sky no one else could ever reach it it's like no the word is in your heart it's so close lord i just ask you tonight for every single hungry heart here every single hungry heart here lord those that are coming back to you and just getting right Say, Lord, I'm here again. But Lord, those who have lost sight of the prize and the worries of this life, just the busyness, the, the cares of this world, the relationship that's gone bad, the, thing, the, the things that were spoken that hurt us, the things that we've seen that have wounded us and made us bitter at the church or bitter at this person. Lord, I thank you for the whole thing, the Holy Spirit that is resting upon these different ones, that is bringing your conviction and your peace right now, and an ability to say, yes, Lord, I return to you. I repent. I repent because your kingdom is at hand. Your kingdom, your kingdom is at hand. And I ask you right now, Lord, come shift our value systems so that we want what you want that we care about what you care about that our value system reflects your kingdom and not the things that we're building and the things that we want because if your word is true and we value what you value you said that we get all those things too but we get you Lord what greater gift what greater gift could we have, Lord? Lord, you're the best. There's nothing more. Lord, and I thank you for all these things. Things that you've spoken, things that you've promised. But Lord, nothing compares to you.
love of the Father, because that's really the only thing that's going to break through the hardened heart. And I don't know how it worked with the prodigal son. Like if somehow, yes, things got so bad for him. Yes, the prodigal was in a really bad spot. But I would go so far as to say as he felt the Father waiting for him. He knew. He knew that he would be received again. Deep down, he could feel the love of his Father. And it was true. The Father was waiting at the first sight of him. He was like, son, come back home. He's praying, sitting on the porch. Son, come back home. Son, come back home. I love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you everything that I have. If you seek me first, if you come back to me, I will not only give you new clothes, I will give you your full inheritance. I'm going to put a crown on your head, a ring on your finger. I'm not going to treat you like your sins deserve. I'm not going to punish you. The Lord is not into punishment. The fear of punishment is what keeps us away from Him. But the Lord said, perfect love drives out fear. And the Lord is giving His love to some of you tonight like you've never had before love to come back to a father who's ready to take you at your word you're not a fake you're not a phony just because you committed a year ago and have forgotten what you committed the lord takes you back at your word in fullness and if you say yes he says yes and just like alan said last night his yes is intense his yes is full his yes is complete his yes is in your face it's so Yes, all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus.